Welcome to Funding the Dream, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now here's your host, Richard Bliss. Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, the host. We've got another great episode for you. Thank you for joining me. My guest today is someone who has been in the, this is a board game episode. He has been in the board game industry for, well, longer than he's been alive, uh, as you'll soon find out. And I thought I'd have him on because he has a Kickstarter campaign running right now. This is his fourth one. And it is a traditional company that has decided to use Kickstarter to raise funds for one of their products, um, even though they have a long line of products that they've delivered to market through traditional means. And so I want to welcome Grant Dalgalis from Columbia Games. Grant, thanks for joining me. A pleasure. Thank you for having me, Richard. So let's, a little bit of background. Grant, you have been, and to kind of tie into my comment, you are with Columbia Games, which was founded by your father, and I think you told me your title is something like Crown Prince. He's the king and you're the crown prince, right? That's the, that's the colloquial funny title, and it fits because uh, he founded the company in 1972. Uh, I was born in 1975. Um, Went, grew up in the normal way, uh, and then after high school, um, in in the mid nineties, um, came to work with my dad, and and have been doing so ever since, with um, the idea that I'm going to do it for another forty years. And so you have this is your the company Columbia Games uh, has been around this long, and this is your full time job. I mean, this is a this isn't a hobby. I mean, it's a hobby, but it's not like a hobby on the side. This is what you do for a living. It is. Yeah. It's, uh, we squeak by it, we're, we're able to sustain, uh, a, a lifestyle that I'm happy with. And, and for all of these years, uh, and I think the way we do it more than anything else is it's kind of slow and steady. Uh, we publish on average, a new game every year. So, uh, so that's, so that's interesting. Slow and steady. But here we're going to talk about Kickstarter because Kickstarter has, in essence, kickstarted a lot of what the board game industry has traditionally seen as a slow and steady approach. But suddenly things have sped up because now you have a Kickstarter campaign running right now, uh, The Last Spike, a train game. Yes. But this isn't a new game. This is something – this is a reprint of a game from uh, – I think you said the late 70s. Is that right? Yeah. It is a reprint, but it is not a straight-up reprint. It is a redesign. Uh, we have transformed the original Last Spike game into a modern uh, game with mechanics that involve both cooperation and competition. Uh, we've taken out most of the luck uh, so that it is a strategy game. Uh, but the core theme and idea that you're building a railway across the country um, communally um, and that the game ends when there is a route from one side of the country to the other. That's still there. That was the original idea, and that's still there. And uh, in the new game, fundamentally, that uh, players are communally building the train track, investing or speculating in land deeds from cities along the way trying to get uh, payback from those investments 
and you have to get it all done, get the most money that you can before somebody finishes the the inter or the national train track. At which point we count up our money and somebody wins. So, in, so you went from you said slow and steady, a game a year type thing, to now in the last two years you've done four. Uh, this is your fourth one that's running right now, the last spike, but four very successful Kickstarter campaigns. It would appear that things have kind of sped up a little bit. Actually, I guess we're up to uh, yeah, maybe it's almost close to two games a year. Um, hey, that, I would, that's, double the, that's double, right? That's yeah, a pretty big fraction. I suppose it is. It, it's... Um, it still feels like each one of them is a mammoth undertaking and a complete um, commitment for at least six months. And then even after that, right, there's, there's another layer to, to developing a game. I mean, after developing, after marketing, in, in the um, pre-phase, the Kickstarter phase, say, there's another phase where you have to support a game in its early existence and market it again to, to the industry um, and that takes a few more months. If if you don't, you take those months and do that. Actually, we're shooting ourselves in the foot because it's like then that, that the game has got people's uh, attention. Um, so it still kind of spans uh, the better part of a year, anyway. Uh, but the uh, we're able to maybe get going on the next one probably through that process where we didn't before. So tell, so tell me, you've got, um, you've got these four games, Napoleon, Bobby Lee, which is a Civil War game, Victory in Europe, um, and then The Last Spike. What made you decide, have anything, has something changed? Because three of these are reprints, one's an original. I think you told me The Victory in Europe is an original game. You're bringing, yes. these, you're bringing these games back. Um, you're raising money. Uh, I think Napoleon did over 700 backers. Was there a yes. decision? How, how is it different from the traditional way that you've done it in the past to now suddenly, two years ago, you, you dipped your toe into the Kickstarter uh, pool and it seems to be going well for you. Do you publish games now and not use Kickstarter? You do in tandem. How do you make those decisions? When to use Kickstarter and when not to? In the last while, for these last four games, they have been Kickstarter, and that's been all that we have done. Um, I do have this other sideline, which is significant to our company, at least 40% of the revenue in, in role-playing, and we publish uh, some books and maps and things on that throughout the year that are on a subscription pre-order basis, it, 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 more like a magazine subscription than, than a Kickstarter. But uh, still, in the, in the gaming field. Immediately before we did Napoleon uh, in 2013, the, the previous game in 2012 was a different game from the Napoleonic period called Borodino, which is a battle that was fought in 1812. We just only did it in 2012. Um, it was launched with, with the solicitation of pre-orders. I used my own website. I tallied them. It was interactive, actually, in almost the same way, where when people posted, placed an order, it recorded it on my website as an order. Um, the only kind of appearance difference is that the Kickstarter tally uses dollars 
Um, sure. And, but but if, you, um, if you've done it on your own website, you're giving up 10% of the funds raised. So, for example, in Napoleon, you, you raised $70,000. 10% of that is going to Kickstarter themselves. Has there been 5%, a... 5, 5% goes to Kickstarter themselves. And um, another nearly 4% um, is the credit card processing part. So that used to be Amazon handled it for Kickstarter. Right. And it seems like it's more... Uh, it's probably still Amazon on the back end, but it's still it's so nine percent. So nine percent uh, so, so of the money. Not but, but I wanted to make the case that that, that other four percent is unavoidable. I used to pay that anyway. Got it. Valid point. And so you've so got the, four, the difference is five percent, and and the debate, which is valid, is is that five percent that I am giving up gained back by by Kickstarter? Uh, and my answer is yes. Uh, it's it's never easy to totally pin it like that because every game we do is different enough that um, some will appeal to 500 people and some will appeal to 300 people in in the initial wave. The fact that Napoleon reached 700 was unprecedented, and so is definitely worth the five percent. Well, then you turned around and and victory in Europe surpassed even Napoleon and did 765. So these are pretty big numbers for you, for you guys. They're fantastic numbers, yes. They, um, they enable us to um, survive comfortably between games. Um, and um, it's kind of important to hit the streets on a, on a new game pretty hard because it's... Uh, it's it's snowballs. If people actually play, then they talk about it. And gaming is inherently social, and there's all kinds of wonderful social tools from the regular ones like Facebooks and Twitters, but also in, in our industry, things like Board Game Geek and, and other forums for discussion, um, all of which um, dovetail so nicely with people's natural inclination to share their experience with gaming because it's social. Uh, right. So Kickstarter, uh, again, it, it, one of its nicest features is that it, it makes it very easy to hit a, hit a share button or a like button or a forward button. Um, and it also um, made it very easy to look uh, top-notch and professional. The, the video... Um, Although, you know, I could have made a video and just posted it on my own website. I sure. hadn't thought of that. I just hadn't thought of that until Kickstarter came along and, and inspired me to do that, I suppose, because it, it felt like a requirement, um, even though they technically said you don't have to do it. Um, I couldn't imagine having not done it. Um, so, so, and tell, so go ahead. is the channel, uh, the retailers, are they, are they, have they grown resistant to the fact that you are selling hundreds and hundreds of copies of your game on Kickstarter before it shows up on their shelves? Has that had an impact on your dis- distribution? It's had an impact, but it's surprisingly positive. You, you, uh, you, might, you might think that it would take sales away uh, from someone, but that isn't really the case because we're still dealing in such small numbers overall here as a percentage of the potential. Um, 
that the equation in 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 us in our business and what determines success or or moderate success because I don't I haven't really had too many failures. Um, it's marketing. It's exposure. It's it's touching on what I said before about the social aspect. So the fact that 700 people are playing Napoleon right away after they launch it actually only helps the their opponents. For example, those 700 people play 700 other people, and some of them run down to the store and buy it. Got it. And so, have you seen uh, impact on those numbers? Have you, or is that you're you're pretty much going with some anecdotal uh, evidence? No, no. There's some fact in that for sure. Um, the um, I've found it. I've not only uh, had um, more success snowballing with with a game like Napoleon um, in 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 actual numbers, but uh, at, at existing retailers. But I've also ran into some new ones uh, from my perspective, uh, who actually only really found out that I exist because of Kickstarter. Oh, that brings up a really added, that brings up an interesting point. That, that yeah. they found out you exist, does that mean now that are you seeing a spillover or a halo effect where it's impacting the other uh, products in your line where there's an uptick it now in, in interest? It, it does. And there's a reason for that that's, I suppose, kind of obvious um, with the military games, at least, that they, they have a lot in common with each other. So Napoleon and Victory in Europe even... Uh, being two different games on on two different wars, um, the first one is, is the, the Waterloo campaign of 200 years ago, and the other is World War II in Europe of 70 years ago. Uh, but our design core mechanic uh, that we use is my dad's original invention that goes back to the Quebec game from '72 is. Uh, described as, as the wooden block system. We use little wooden blocks for our pieces. And we use the same wooden blocks, different colors and sometimes different sizes, but, but basically the same shape and 60% the same rules, if not more, um, from game to game to game. And as a result of that, uh, my customers move sideways to the line of block games quite often. So they like, it would be like somebody who really likes a particular type of card game and now they can continue to play those types of card games. In your case, this block system that you're talking about that many of my listeners might not be familiar with allows you right. to, to people who like that type of game now to find additional games that are in your line that you've been able to take advantage of that. Absolutely. Yes. If that is, been hugely significant for us. Uh, it's it's always been important, but it just seems like it's um, it's snowballing in a positive way. And again, I just think it's a numbers game. If more people are playing, then more people are talking, and then it grows from there. And it can do the opposite if if you don't get off to a good start. Um, so you you get you get kind of a fizzle effect, and people move on to the next new thing. In the last oh. couple of in the last couple of minutes that we have, you talk about this off to a good start. What steps? You've been around forty years. You've got a little bit of a following in the niche that you're in the the, the block war games that type of thing. What did you do, or what have you done, to ensure that you do get off to a good start and that you've built up some awareness for your 
Kickstarter projects because this is this is kind of new to what you haven't done these Kickstarters except for now you've done two of them um, with some success you know seventy thousand twenty eight thousand seventy nine thousand and now uh, the last spike which is three quarters of the way of funding what have you done to kind of build that awareness. Well, I have a marketing plan that I have applied each time. Uh, so I guess I built it during the Napoleon um, campaign and um, I've followed uh, it more or less, repeated it through the other games. Uh, it it uh, fundamentally, it, certainly with the military games, it, its most important aspect was communicating um with with the fans, there's there's a large mailing list that I maintain all the time uh, of, of fans and potential fans, um, and that that's that's the single most important thing in everybody's Kickstarter. Everyone would tell you that you you have to have your own network to at least get a good chunk of your supporters from. Uh, what I found that's really neat is by sending a solicitation of news or a bit of news out to my fans, which that list also includes reviewers and podcasters and and other people that forward the news and rebroadcast it and disseminate it out for me elsewhere. Um, and but but here's another one: the um, the other major thing that a person needs to get attention in in Kickstarter or in the, in the gaming industry is influential people meaning writers and reviewers or prolific gamers, uh, need to recommend your game. So in order to do that, you need to help them see it. And that may involve sending out prototypes uh, or pre-release copies to to those people and then relying on the, their opinion of the game, which is supposed to be... Uh, positive, of course, um, to to share with their network. So that's that's, that's targeted uh, the effort there and the, the part that's important the strategy is to pick the right people. That's great. That's a great way to, to, to kind of wrap it up. Wrap it up here is to uh, to remind people, yes, that, that reaching out, maintaining a mailing list, reaching out to those influential people. Uh, Grant, thank you very much for taking the time to kind of talk through the process that Columbia Games has used to get themselves on the Kickstarter. I certainly appreciate you coming on the show. It's been fun. Thank you very much for having me, Richard. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest has been Grant Doglish, who is with Columbia Games. ColumbiaGames.com is where you can find them. Their latest Kickstarter campaign running is called The Last Spike, a uh, transcontinental railroad co-op game. Take a look at it. It's running through the next uh, several weeks, and uh, you can go out and show us a little bit of love and support it. Thanks for listening. Take care.